It's certainly good to see you this morning, and it's good to be back. If you picked up an outline on the way in, a worship outline, you probably noticed a couple of things. Number one, that uh, last week's date is on that outline, and that's because that was what I'd planned to preach last Sunday. Uh, but COVID had other ideas, and I appreciate so very much Andrew filling in for me, and he did a wonderful job in the presentation of that particular message. The second thing that you probably noticed was the title, a New You for the New Year, and that sounds like that, that could be kind of the motto or the promotional efforts of a, a weight loss system or, or maybe some other kind of makeover. And, and in reality, it is because we're going to be talking about this morning what we can do to, to have the, the greatest potential for Christ in, in our lives, not only collectively as a congregation, but individually as Christians. And, and so I think... Uh, that, that will help us to be able to, to think in those terms. I, I really want us to, the passage that Chris just read, to identify about middle way through that passage where the writer there talks by inspiration and says that uh, we need to stir one another up to love and, and good works. And that's our intention this morning to be able to do that. Because I want us to think in terms of making decisions regarding our spiritual well-being and how that we can, we can create and, and realize the greatest potential for Christ in 2022 that we possibly can. So let me ask you, are, are you satisfied with where you are spiritually this morning? Are you, are you satisfied with your spiritual standing before God? And if you're not, and I hope that you're not, I hope that we're never satisfied with where we are, I hope we always want to grow, then this lesson is for you because... There are some things that God's word tells us that we can be doing and that we need to be doing every day of our lives that will bring us closer to God and that will make us more effective in his work. This is the time of year, of course, that we generally look at ourselves. We, we take some spiritual inventory. We make some resolutions. And those resolutions hopefully will accomplish some level of self-improvement. I heard the story about uh, a fellow who was uh, an, a grown man who was talking to his elderly parents and he asked them about their resolutions. He asked his dad. He said, have you, dad, dad, you made any resolutions? He said, yeah, I've got several. He said, one thing, I plan to get out of this chair and uh, get some regular exercise uh, this year. And also, I plan on taking care of some of the jobs, the errands around the house that need to be done that I've been putting off. And, uh, and, and he said, I plan to eat right. I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to eat as much, and I'm going to try to eat better. And then after he made that rather lengthy list... The man asked his mom, Mom, have you made any resolution? She said, just one. What's that? To see that your dad keeps his resolutions. Now, the bad news is it doesn't work that way. And, and everybody with a level of common sense knows that. You do not make set goals. You do not make resolutions for other people because it just doesn't work that way. When we try to do that, that's an assignment. That's not a resolution. And so this morning, I hope that we can talk about a few things in the next few minutes that will help us as we think about the new year. Please consider some common cliches that have spiritual applications that I think will help us in our spiritual growth. And the first is to put your hand to the plow. When you think about the Christian life, the Bible uses a number of different uh, metaphors and parallels in describing what it means to, to live the Christian life. And in Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2, the Christian life is likened into a race. You know the passage. Lay aside every sin, the weight that so easily ensnares you. Run with endurance the race 
that is set before you and do that with meekness and fear. So it's likened into a race. And uh, when we appreciate those metaphors in scripture, it kind of helps us to flesh out the idea of what God wants us to be doing every day of our lives. It's also compared to, to winning a fight. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul says, I, neither do I fight as one that beats the air. That is, I'm not just shadow boxing. There's a real enemy out there that requires a very real response. But it's also likened, the Christian life is likened to sailing on a ship. When Paul is about to end the very last letter that he would ever write, and he's also writing to beloved Timothy, his son in the gospel, and trying to prepare him for the fact that Paul is not going to be there much longer, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 is where he says that uh, I, I'm now ready for my departure. It's interesting that the word departure there in the Greek language has to do with the idea of, of loosening the ropes on a ship. And letting that ship drift away. Paul said, that's where I am at this stage of my life. I'm ready to drift away. I'm ready to, to leave this physical body and to go to my eternal reward. But the Christian life is also likened to plowing a field. Even in the uh, parable of the sores in Luke chapter 8, that's the main point of that analogy. And in Luke 9 verse 62, Jesus said, no one having put his hand to the plow... And looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. That tells you that there is some, a degree of warning. There's an implicit warning in that passage. But what, what Jesus, I think, really was communicating to his disciples then and now is that anyone, any, any uh, uh, farmer who's planting a field and who is constantly looking back as he's plowing that field his rows are going to be crooked. You don't have to be a farmer to know that. You can't, you can't look back and, and plow straight rows. And he's also helping us to appreciate on the spiritual side of things that if we're constantly looking back at the world of sin with longing that we have left, then we're going to live a crooked life. And so no man who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. And that was an implicit warning that our Lord gave. We need to appreciate that when the new year dawns and when it has dawned upon us, that we have a responsibility and a privilege to live each day, not looking back, but looking forward to the greatest prize that uh, could possibly await us. The second cliche that I want us to appreciate with a spiritual implication is to put your nose to the grindstone. This phrase refers to applying oneself to a dreaded task. Oftentimes it may be a a job that we've got to do at work. It may be an assignment that someone has given us that we're not really looking forward to. It might be a honey-do list at home. It might be a plethora of different things. But sometimes we just have to put our nose to the grindstone and get the job done. Now, let me ask you this morning. Is there a spiritual duty that you've been putting off? Is there something that you know that needs to be done in 2022 that perhaps needed to be done in 2021? You just didn't, you never got around to it. You were never willing to apply the effort and um, assume the responsibility for doing that particular job. It may be something as, as foundational as obeying the gospel. It's altogether possible, in fact, even probable, that there's some people meeting this building this morning or who are joining us online who've never obeyed the gospel. So they began by asking that question. Have you allowed faith to develop in your heart that would cause you to repent of all your past sins? Have you confessed Jesus as God's son? Have you been immersed in water for the remission of all of your sins? Or maybe as a child of God, 
There's some sin that you need to address and confess in your life, but you have, you put it off because you know that you don't want to address that particular responsibility. Remember first John chapter one, verse nine, John says, if we confess our sins, he that is God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a wonderful assurance that he gives us. Every one of us as God's children, or even if we're not a child of God yet, when we recognize and confront the sin in our life to realize that God allows every one of us the opportunity every day of our lives to be able to confess that sin, make it right with a penitent heart, and know that God has forgiven us. Or maybe you have offended someone, and you've put off going to that person and making that situation right. Maybe seeking reconciliation with that person. Let me say this, there is no better time to do that than right now. It's time for you to resolve, for me to resolve, that if there's something between me or you and another person that needs to be resolved, that you're willing to do that. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 3, Do this, my son, and deliver yourself. For you have come into the hand of your friend. Go and humble yourself. Maybe that's the sticking point. It requires some humility. And he said, be reconciled with your friend. It could be a bad habit that needs to be worked on. But I tell you something that you probably have suspected already, that the longer you allow that bad habit to go unaddressed, the stronger and the more entrenched that bad habit becomes. There's no better time than right now to get right with God and with others. Here's a third idea. We need to put our ear to the ground. This phrase refers to listening for feedback from the people that we associate with. I remember having a college professor who said, pick a feather from every bird and you'll be a wise man. What he was saying was, learn something from everybody that you meet and you will in fact be wise. And this is the idea with this particular cliche. More specifically, I think it comes from from the practice that American Indians had of of listening for approaching horses or, or maybe a herd of buffalo by literally putting their ear to the ground and feeling for the vibrations in the earth. We're wise to listen to the constructive criticism of people who love us and who have our best interest at heart. Here's what Solomon said. I want to share three passages, and there's lots more, by the way, in the book of Proverbs about the wisdom of listening to good advice from those who love us. One of them is found in Proverbs 9 and verse 9. Here's where Solomon says, give instruction to a wise man and he'll be wiser still. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. And also in Proverbs 15, 5, the same Solomon writes, he who receives correction is prudent. And then Proverbs 17, 10, rebuke is more effective for a wise man than a hundred blows from a friend. I won't go into the specifics of that particular encounter, but that makes sense. Solomon is helping us to understand the wisdom of learning from people and especially asking for soliciting the advice and the counsel of those you know best and who love you best. Jesus criticized those who were hard of hearing spiritually. You know, a phrase that the Lord used on more than one occasion was take heed how you hear. There's a one occasion, by the way, where he said, take heed what you hear. But most of the time when he admonished his disciples or those who were thinking about becoming his disciples, he said, you need to take heed how you hear. That means that there are better and worse ways of listening. Let's make sure that when we're hearing God's word, 
that we're allowing it to sink into our hearts and make a difference in our lives. So what Jesus was warning applies to, to stopping one's ears to God's word, refusing to listen to God's message or God's messenger. Here's another idea. We need to put our mind in gear in the new year. If you've ever had uh, maybe an employee or even a student in your class who was a constant daydreamer, you might have told that individual what you need to do is get your mind in gear, meaning what you need to do at this moment is to concentrate on the task at hand. And maybe some of us need to be doing that in the new year. Young Solomon was told in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 9 that he was to, that he was to serve God with a willing mind. And that's what we're talking about. Paul said that we always need to be renewing our minds. Romans 12 and verse 2. That word renew there literally means to renovate. And I'm thinking, what better advice, what better counsel could be given to God's children at the beginning of a new year than to make sure that in the process we are renovating our minds, making sure that our minds are in the right place, that we're thinking right. We've got, we're on the right track because we're thinking the way God would have us to. We're spending more time in his word. We're spending more time communing with him in prayer. We're trying to attune ourselves to how God would have us to live every day of our lives. And so I'm just saying that if you've been going through the motions in your worship and in your Christian living, it's time to get serious about serving God with everything that's in us. Because either Christ means all to us or he means nothing at all. In the fifth place, this year, put your shoulders to the wheel. You may not have heard that particular cliche in a while, but I remember my grandfather sometimes using that terminology on the farm. You need to, you need to put your shoulder to the wheel. The idea there is that if a weight is small, then a person might be able to move that weight with just the strength of one's wrist only. But if it's a medium-sized weight, you might need to put the strength of your whole arm into it. But if the weight is really heavy... You need to put your shoulder into it. And that just means you need to give it everything that you have. There are a few things in life that are worth giving our all to, but I'm telling you what, living the Christian life is one of those things. We need to rededicate ourselves in the new year, not only to winning souls for Christ, there's much to do in 2022, but also making sure that we're what God would have us to be in terms of our own spiritual existence. So if a in a spiritual way, Christianity is not to be met with arm strength only, but with the full force of the shoulder. Jesus himself said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all of your mind. Matthew 22 and verse 37. And that really gets to the heart of it, doesn't it? Literally to the heart of it. With everything that's in us, we need to be serving God every day of our lives. So during this year... Let's be even more diligent to make our calling and election sure. Peter said in 2 Peter 1 and verse 10. In the next place this year, let's put our back to the wall. Sometimes we get ourselves into difficult situations. Sometimes it's due to our own fault. We've made wrong choices and now we're having to deal with the consequences of those wrong choices. And sometimes it's uh, the fault of others. But still, whether, whoever's fault it might be, there are occasions when we find ourselves with our backs to the wall. And it seems that there are no real particular options that seem to be pleasing to us. So a person with his back to the wall realizes the gravity of a particular situation. 
It's the fight or flight concept. And we realize there's no place to run, and so I'm going to have to stand and fight. And I think Christians should appreciate the gravity of the situation in which we live and exist on a daily basis. I I was reading a devotional book uh, just a couple of weeks ago, and on that particular devotional thought for that particular day, the author was saying that he can, in his Christian experience and as a minister of the gospel, he can pretty much tell you where a person is in their spiritual growth and maturation by how seriously they take the sin in their lives. If it's no big deal, everybody sins, I make mistakes, who doesn't? If they have that kind of attitude towards sin, they're probably not growing very much spiritually. But if they recognize the damaging, destructive nature of sin, and they know that sin in a person's life can destroy that life, it can destroy that family, it can destroy that reputation, then that person probably, in all likelihood, is growing spiritually because they recognize that we are in a real battle. And it's not against COVID. It isn't against particular political powers that may have different ideas than we have. Folks, our battle is spiritual in nature. And when Paul wrote the sixth chapter of the book of Ephesians, he helped us to understand that, I think, in a more powerful and insightful way. We're fighting a battle It is a war that's going on. And what is is at stake is literally our spiritual existence. Our very spiritual lives are at stake, and that's why it needs to be taken seriously. We're in a free-for-all, a no-holds-barred, winner-take-all fight for our souls. We're not playing games, and we're certainly not firing blanks at the enemy. And in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul spelled out the kind of armor that a Christian needs to put on every day if we intend to be able to be victorious and not be a casualty in that spiritual warfare. So nobody gets out of this world alive physically if, if the Lord delays his return. And according to the Lord's assessment in Matthew seven thirteen and 14, there aren't very many that get out of this world alive spiritually. So here's a sobering realization. This may be the year that determines your or my eternal destiny. And I don't know that because I'm a prophet or the son of a prophet. I know that because good sense and the good book teaches that. That there may be decisions, pivotal decisions, that you and I will make this year that will determine where we'll spend eternity. And I don't mean to be scaring anybody or overstating the case, but I do hope that we appreciate the awesome responsibility that we have every day to make good choices, to make good decisions for the Lord Jesus Christ. Am I taking my battle with Satan seriously is the main question. Have I strapped on the whole armor of God? I haven't left off a piece because I don't want there to be any part of my spiritual life that is vulnerable to Satan and to his wiles. And will I survive or will I be a spiritual casualty? And will my family? This year, keep your feet to the fire. A person whose feet are held to the fire tends to be enthusiastic for obvious reasons. To put a person's feet to the fire makes that person responsible for their actions. Sometimes we say that about our leadership. They need to, we need to hold their feet to the fire. And it means that we're willing to face the consequences for those decisions that we just talked about. Those decisions that we'll be making every day of our lives. God holds us responsible, you know. 
for our actions. That's a matter of biblical record. Every man, he says, will give an account of himself before God. Romans chapter 14 in verse 12 says. And that also means that every word that we speak is important. I know that because the Bible tells me so. In Matthew chapter 12, 36 and 37, the Lord himself said, Every idle word that men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you'll be justified, and by your words you'll be condemned. I remember the very first time as a young boy, I, I, I recall reading that passage and appreciating the seriousness of it. That my words have that kind of power. And Ben talked about that in our James class this morning in James chapter 3. James really goes into detail talking about the immense power, the danger of using or misusing our tongues. Using communication in such a way to tear down and not build up. No wonder Paul spent so much time saying that what you do say ought to render grace to the hearers. It ought to edify. You ought to be able to build people up by them listening to you speak rather than be torn down. And I think that's a resolution that needs to be on our list for the new year. Let's make sure we're encouraging people, not discouraging. Let's make sure we're building people up, not tearing them down. There's a godly man that was a part of this congregation who passed from this life to his reward not that long ago. He always meant a great deal to me, but never more so than on Sundays just like this. Because this brother would always make it a point, no matter how many people were waiting to talk to me, he would always stand in line to make sure he told me how much he appreciated the lesson. And it wasn't just one of those perfunctory, hey, I enjoyed the lesson, now will you let me out the door kind of things. You could tell that he had put some thought into the way that he intended to encourage me and to speak about that particular lesson. I I was thinking about my interaction with that brother one Sunday on our way home, and I told Mia, I said, that, that brother is a Barnabas to me. And if you know scripture, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Barnabas was designated in scripture in the book of Acts as the son of encouragement. But as I thought about the impact that that brother's words have had on my life, and I continue to do so, I, I think about and, and think about those words that, and pull them out and warm my heart by them from time to time. I also made this observation. Mia agreed, so you know I had to be right. I want to be that kind of person to someone else. I want someone else to say, Randy's my Barnabas. He's the one that encourages me most. Every one of us needs to be a Barnabas in 2022, don't we? We need to be making sure that we're identifying the people who are weak and who need lifting up, who are discouraged. Those who don't seem to be discouraged, but are fighting some kind of battle in their lives. I guarantee you, they're fighting some kind of battle. And a kind and encouraging word from you, a word of support, will lift them up and make all the difference, not just in their day, but in all likelihood for the rest of their lives. It's also a matter of biblical record that God loves enthusiastic people. So whatever it is that we decide to be doing and occupying our time with in the new year, let's make sure that we're doing it enthusiastically. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might, Solomon said, Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. The Bible says that Phineas was given a covenant of a priesthood because, and I'm quoting now, he was zealous for his God. That's Numbers chapter 25 and verse 13. 
Dorcas, the Bible says in Acts 9, was loved by many people because she was full of good works. That's actually the Bible terminology. She was full of good works. That has the imagery of someone being full of good works and then just running over with it. This woman was kind and good and beneficent to everyone she met. And God redeemed and purified us so that we might be his own special people, zealous for good works. That's what Paul wrote to Titus in Titus 2 and verse 14. Or as Paul stated in Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that he created us to walk in those good works. I hope that gives us some idea of the, of the mindset that we need to have in 2022. You probably have thought about it. You've given some thought and some prayer to how you're going to spend this year. And your ideas may be a whole lot better than the ones that I've suggested this morning. But I hope that this will give us some direction. God wants us Go back to our text and look again at verse 24 of Hebrews chapter 10. He said, we need to be thinking about how that we can stir one another up to love and good works. Isn't that a wonderful way to occupy your time and your life? To stir one another up to love and good works. When I was in graduate school just up the road at the University of Montevallo, I had the privilege, I think it was providential, that as I was moving into town to start my graduate work there at the university, that the the guy who was preaching across the street at the little congregation was moving out. And so I was privileged to preach for those folks for two and a half years of my life there. And one of the most interesting parts of my my, uh, stay in in Montevallo was when the parents of students would come onto campus and then they would come to church with their son or daughter that Sunday morning. And I still distinctly remember all these years, decades literally have passed. And I recall the conversation I had briefly with a young lady and her mother as they were making their way out the door. Of course, I was standing at the back door shaking people out. And the mother looked at me and very sincerely and honestly said, that was one of the most provoking lessons I've ever heard. And the daughter recognized her her faux pas and said, don't you mean thought provoking? She said, oh, yes, that's what I meant. And I said, well, don't worry about it. I've preached the other kind too. It's easy to provoke one another, isn't it? But it's a lot harder to provoke to love and good works, to be a constant encouragement to my brothers and sisters, and for you to be that kind of encouragement to me, so that whatever befails us, whatever might happen, whatever the COVID situation might be at the end of this year, if the Lord delays his return, he'll find each of us working in order to build up his kingdom, in order to build up one another. As Paul, in his parting words in Acts chapter 20, verse 35, was speaking to those godly elders at Ephesus, men that he had come to know and love, he said, now I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. Folks, the only thing that will sustain us in whatever trials be might beset us in the new year. God's holy word will build us up. And so I hope that we will make, as a part of one of our resolutions, that we're going to be spending more quality time in God's word. One final piece of advice or counsel, and that would be simply this. Remember to always keep your eyes on the prize. A person with his eyes on a prize has that as the object of his heart, 
and as the apple of his eye. They want nothing more, and they will settle for nothing less. Paul certainly had his eyes on the prize of heaven in Philippians chapter 3, 13 and 14. In fact, Andrew spent the entire time last Sunday morning wonderfully dealing with Paul's thoughts in those two verses. Let me remind you of what he said. I do not count myself to have apprehended. That is, I have not arrived spiritually. I do not look back and say, there's no more improvement that I can make. So I do not count myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things that are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's Paul's inspired advice to every one of us this morning. Put those things behind us that cannot be changed. You will not be able to relive last year. You can't even relive yesterday. But what we can do is to make sure that our eyes are constantly on the prize, that we're always seeking to be able to be God's people and to live with him someday in eternity. I just pray that our eyes too will stay on the prize until someday we have it in our hands. I have, uh, despite being on the DL with COVID for the last uh, week and a half, <clears throat> I bookended that uh, experience with doing two funerals. Uh, the day I went down with COVID, I did a funeral. And then yesterday, we had Dan Alexander's funeral here. It's for that reason that it's very fresh in my mind. One of the observations that I normally make when we're talking about a godly Christian who has passed from this life and gone on to their reward, I will say something along the lines of their hope has now become sight and their faith has become a matter of present reality. They don't have to worry about the things of this world. Our concerns are no longer theirs because they have kept their eyes on the prize. And that's what I pray for you as well. A new you for the new year should be the spiritual ambition of every one of us as God's children. There's no better time to start than today. In fact, in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he said, Behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to become a child of God this morning, we're here to serve you and to help you do just that while we stand and while we sing. There's a great day coming.